be with you all. How do you celebrate the end of the year? Well, you might think uh, there's some kind of a social gathering, a party to celebrate things. Or maybe at the end of the year, you use it as a time of reflection to think back of all the various things that have happened through the calendar year. And maybe you start thinking ahead a little bit to what the new year is going to be like. But I bet right now the question on your mind is, why are you talking about the end of the year? (laughs) Because this is Thanksgiving week, Pastor, not New Year's week. But we are at the end of the church year and the start of another church year next weekend. And so the question is, how do you end the church year? Well, again, we could look back and see things, but we won't do that in today's message. Or maybe we could just celebrate, and we do that. That's what worship is. Or maybe we could think ahead and and look at the future. Now, that might be hard to do, but you can think of things that have been done in the past and what plans and promises there are. And that's especially helpful when we think of those plans and promises of God. But yet, when it comes to looking at the future, it's something hard to see, isn't it? Because there's so much we don't know. We don't know the exact details and the timeline of things. And because we don't know about it, maybe we just don't want to think about it. But then knowing certain things are going to happen and we don't know or can't control it, maybe a little worry and and fear sets in as well. And so we might just simply take the attitude, well, because I don't know what's going to happen and I can't change it anyway, might as well just live in the moment But God doesn't want us to live that way. He doesn't want us to have our heads in the sand, so to speak. In fact, he tells us to lift up our heads, to have some excitement and encouragement about the future. Now we might think again, well, that's hard to do. One, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And when we look at the way things are going and and maybe anticipate how they're going to continue to go, that doesn't sound very pleasant. And then knowing that there are certain things that are going to happen to us as we get older, we don't want to think about those things either. So how in the world can we be encouraged and excited about looking at the future when we don't know what it has and just can't control it? Well, God shows us how we can see the future, and that is through the eyes of faith. Now, when I say that, I don't mean, uh, okay, now let's just all have a positive attitude. Let's uh, be strong and optimistic about things. No, I mean the eyes of faith that are going to listen to and look at our gracious and glorious God. In our scripture readings a few minutes ago, we heard the opening words of the book of Revelation. And with those words, John was encouraging us to hear them and to take them to heart. Even though some of the things in the book of Revelation are kind of bizarre and hard to understand, he tells us this is what is going to happen. Now, after John put our focus on the grace of God with those opening words, he himself then had a vision of the Lord Jesus. 
mighty and majestic. The Lord spoke to him and gave him seven messages, we call them letters, that were to be given to the seven churches over which John was the bishop. In those letters, it listed the good points and bad points about those Christian churches, and it issued warnings and promises, warnings to be alert to what was going on, that the enemy would be trying to destroy them, destroy them through persecution, but also through false teachings, to take their mind off the free grace of God and Jesus. After those letters, then the Lord lets John see the future. And through his writing, we too can see the future through the eyes of faith. So here's what it is. After this, I, John, looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits, or the sevenfold spirit of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. From other parts of Scripture, we know that those creatures were the cherubim angels. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Wow. What a scene. The 
mighty and majestic God enthroned in heaven, surrounded by angels and saints. What a scene of of glory and of grace. The message, as you look to the future through the eyes of faith, remember our God reigns. As we face the future and as we start to go through things, we may not always be so encouraged and excited as we would be seeing this. When we go through the struggles and the difficulties of of work or health issues or finances or whatever it may be, our spirits get dampened. We worry, we fear. But that's a time for us to remember the throne scene and remember that our God reigns over everything. In other words, look at who your God is. Timeless, changeless, faithful and true, glorious and gracious. That's your God who loves and cares for you. Now you might be thinking, well, that's fine, but, you know, that's up in heaven. (laughs) What about down here on earth? What are we going to see? God shows us that too. The vision continues. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now this scroll, as we're going to see in a few minutes, would have written on it the events that would take place in the future of the world. We will also see the Lamb of God, Jesus, take that scroll and open it for those events to happen. But before we see that, let's be reminded of something. That scroll is in God's hand. It comes from Him. Jesus is the one who opens the seals of that scroll. So what we are learning is that not only is our God reigning, but he is ruling. That is, he is controlling everything that happens. Whether the events are something he sends or he bends and shapes to his will, it's all under his control. Nothing happens without his knowledge, without his influence, whether it is to use it, to limit it, or to stop it. Our God rules everything for us. Remember the throne. Remember your God reigns and rules. So what? Should we do then, as we face the future, 
with the eyes of faith on our God? The scriptures show us. The scene continues. And when he, that is the Lamb, Jesus, had taken that scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What do we do as we face the future? Remembering the throne and that our God reigns and rules, our response is simply to pray. To come to our God in faith and to cast all of our cares on Him, entrusting our lives to His grace and His will knowing that all will happen for our good. And then to praise Him as a gracious and glorious God. To thank Him for all He does for us. And we have a great opportunity at the end of our year this week to do that very thing as we can gather to worship Him with thanksgiving and praise for all of His blessings. Face the future by remembering the throne. Your God reigns for you. But what will happen on earth? That's a beautiful and glorious scene in heaven, but do we know what's going to happen here? Has God told us? Yes. But not in all the fine details that inquiring minds would like to know. But he has revealed to us certain things. As Jesus now removes each seal that is on that scroll, God lets us see the future here on earth. John continues, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked And there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. And he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. That's the first thing God calls our attention to, this rider on the white horse. Now, there are different interpretations of who this rider is or what it symbolizes. I tend to fall to the trustworthy principle of biblical interpretation that says, let Scripture interpret Scripture. And later on in the book of Revelation, we again see a rider on a white horse with a crown, and that rider is Christ. So my interpretation of this white horse and its rider is simply this, that it is Christ going out and the gospel going forth being proclaimed to people. That's what God wants us to see first that's happening in the history of the world. And it has happened, hasn't it? For 2,000 years, God's gospel has been proclaimed so that it's in all nations, and more importantly, in the hearts of people. God's word has gone forth. You and I, are the recipients of that gospel that's been proclaimed for centuries. 
Christ is the conqueror. So before we see the other things that God reveals to us in these next seals, let's be reminded of this. Christ is conquering. His will is being done for the salvation of souls. And now John continues. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. It's pretty clear from the interpretation here what this red horse and this rider were all about. Bloodshed. The history of the world is not just spotted with wars and bloodshed. It's filled with it. Even in our day when we hear of wars, and Jesus said you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, we also see violence in our streets. People hurting and hating each other. Families turning against each other and breaking apart. It's not what God wants, but it's what God says will happen as our sinful nature acts out. Following that red horse are two more horses. A black horse, which from the description that's given tells us that there will be economic suffering. There will be shortages and unfairness and people will suffer. We see that too in the history of the world. And that's followed by a pale horse in another shadow which we are told is disease and death. All of these things are simply the result of sin in this world. The perfect blessings of God's original creation have been lost because of the disobedience of mankind, our sin. God is simply letting us know that in this world things will not be perfect because of sin. And so as we see the future played out in the world and see these things happening, we can be reminded of our own sin and the consequences that has been brought into this world. But let us also be alert to the fact that there is an eternal suffering that will come. For those who reject the forgiveness of their sins that's found in Jesus Christ. But John continues to take the seals off the scroll, and we see something else happening in the future of this world. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. What John was letting us see is that there was going to be persecution of God's people. Jesus said it would be that way. He said, in this world you will have trouble. 
And he said, they will hate you because they hate me. The Apostle Paul told us that we must go through much tribulation before we enter the kingdom of God. We have seen it in history. We see it in our world today. Maybe you have even experienced it to some extent. We don't like it. And we also don't think that it's right. Why would we suffer when we are being faithful to God? Why should we who hold to the truth suffer these things? And why is it that we who have God on our side seem to be oppressed? God said it would be that way. Throughout the book of Revelation, this is one of the repeated messages that there will be persecution against God's people. Some of it will be physical as the enemies of God try to stop his testimony of salvation. But it won't just be physical. He also warns us that it will be spiritual. Whether there be a slow erosion of the truth, different teachings that contradict the truth, or blatant denials of the truth, God warns us to be alert to the enemy's tricks to deceive us so that we would fall away. So whether it's physical, suffering, or the spiritual teachings, God calls us to be alert. But there are a few things that we can note from these verses that are encouraging. The first is, remember, the throne, God reigns, and look what happened to those saints who were persecuted. They were given white robes to wear. God has prepared our salvation in Jesus Christ. His perfect life of obedience has given us a righteousness before God. His death on the cross has removed our sins forever. No man can do anything to us that can take away that salvation. That is secure. The other thing is, God told those saints to be patient until it was all done. In other words, he knows exactly what's going to happen, and he is watching over his people to keep them safe. So as we go through life and experience these trials of faith, we are reminded to have faith in our faithful, gracious God. Now John will see two more things before this vision ends. The first will be a scene of judgment, that God will bring judgment on this world, on those who have rejected him. It's true, it's real, and it will happen. But John also saw this, that the people of God will be sealed in their faith. They will be protected from the attacks of the enemy, and they will be safe from the judgment of of God's wrath because our triumph is in Christ. As we go through life and its trials, let's be encouraged by the presence and the promise of our Savior to be with us. Those words of Jesus remind us of the victory that he has in store for us. 
And so as we face the future after life on this earth, let's see the triumph that God has for us. Sometimes it might be hard to remember that throne and to see what God has in store for us when we're going through the trials. But to God, who not only sees the future and controls all things to bring that future to meet his will, he is also there in the future and is our future triumph. Now we hear what John sees of the future after life on earth. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's victory. And our response with those saints is simply to adore our gracious God who has clothed us with that salvation, who has removed our sins and made us holy in his sight through the life of Jesus, who gives us new life through the resurrection of his Son. The victory is ours. Sometimes People want to know, well, what's heaven like? And come up with all sorts of different ideas of what it is like. And some people even write books about experiences they've had where they've gone to heaven. I don't know that they're true. But I know what God tells us here is true. Here's that life. Bliss. A perfect life. No suffering. No sorrow. No death, no end, eternal bliss, and best of all, Christ, who will be our shepherd, who will shelter us with his presence, surround us with his grace. What a glorious future God has in store for us, a victory in Christ. 
My friends, we can see the future with the eyes of faith. It's simply hearing what God says. He who promises, yes, I am coming soon, to which we say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.